right, if you can turn to 1 Peter, book 5, we'll be rolling through chapters 1 through 4. Please be seated. I was so hurried to, since I'm running through the gauntlet, I forgot that one last phrase, please be seated. All right. Um, as we are talking about, Jeff said different charges, I have the, ch the responsibility to challenge and charge Pastor John with shepherding the flock. And so in 1 Peter, we'll find that Peter charged, was charging the elders of, uh, and pastors of Patnos, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia to shepherd their flocks. Let's read. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that was going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not compulsion, but willing as God would have you, not shameful gain, but eagerly and not domineering over those in your charge, being careful to exercise, Ooh, excuse me, Sorry. being examples of the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Pastor John, we are charged by God to shepherd his flock, as the text illustrates in from Peter. His word provides many illustrations of what shepherding means and how it looks and God expects, and what God expects from us. My first point, what is shepherding? Jesus uses the illustration in John 10 to help the people listening who raised sheep, and raising sheep in that area was very common in that geographical area as well as that time period. These illustrations help us to help to see how sheep interact with the shepherd and the shepherd interacts with the sheep. If you like, and we turn to John 10, 1 to 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief or, and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A man, a stranger will not, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, and they will not follow a stranger's voice. There's some key illustrations here in this text that Jesus brought out that applies to pastors and as we read through this. Now, let me be clear the text here is about Jesus Christ knowing his believers and how believers know him and understand that he will care for them. As pastor shepherds, this example applies to the relationship with us in the church as well, as Peter has charged us in the text earlier. In chapter, in verse 3, we see that the sheep and the shepherd recognize each other and they understand that they have a relationship and it's trustworthy. In verses 4 and 5, we could see that the sheep and the shepherd relationship is based on trust, and the sheep recognize that he will take care of them and keep them healthy. 
The shepherd is an interactive with the flock as well as caring and feeding them and ensuring they grow and they are healthy. God gave Moses the same direction as he chose Joshua to shepherd Israel as his replacement after he departed, after he's passed away in the desert. In Numbers 27, 15, and 18, Moses spoke and saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in. That congregation will be led of the Lord. May the Lord may not be as sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, and a man in whom it is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. We could, we could see God appoints his shepherds who shepherd and lead his flock. God has appointed shepherds must be recognized as, as we, excuse me, as appointed shepherds, we must recognize that we are not the lead of this church. Jesus Christ is the lead of this church, who is a chief shepherd, as Peter stated. As a fellow pastor, John, we recognize that God has called you to serve as a fellow pastor as a Bible, as, at Grace Bible Church. His will has been clear through the entire process and has brought you here to this day to your installation. My second point, what is shepherd's character? God had made it clear to us that he calls us to be leaders. As Moses and Joshua are called, God, for his will, he called the ultimate shepherd, his son, Jesus Christ, Isaiah prophesied of this coming in Isaiah 9, 6. For us, a child is born, and for us, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And later in Isaiah 40, 11, he talks about what Christ, when he returns, what he'll be like as a shepherd in 11, it says, he will tend the flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs into his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. God's plan to re was revealed in the Old Testament that his son would come to earth. During Jesus' earthly ministry, we can see his shepherding character illustrated to us throughout the Gospels. In Matthew 9, 36, in 30, 35 and 36, it says, Jesus went out, went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in his, their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, and without a shepherd. We continue to see Jesus' shepherding in Mark 6, 33 and 34. Now many saw them coming and recognized them, saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. 
And when they went ashore, he saw the great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. We are to care for our congregation, to minister to them so that they can grow from the, our teachings in our support. In John 10, 11 to 13, we see again Jesus shepherding. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd does not own sheep. Sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Paul warns us as well of the same thing of caring for our flock. In Acts 20, 27 and 28, he is meeting with the Ephesian elders. And he gets to this verse in 27. He says, for I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. Pray, pay a careful attention to yourselves and all the flock for in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and care for the church which he obtained with his blood. We are called to care for our congregation and stand and protect Jesus' church. John, as a fellow pastor, you are committing with us to strive to model these characteristics. Point number three. God's expectations for elder, of elders. God is very clear in his Bible of what he expects from a pastors. When it comes to shepherding, we are quick to think of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, where, God, where he rebukes their shepherds during the, that time. In Ezekiel 34, 2, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even... To the shepherds, thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should you not have been feeding the sheep? Jeremiah 23, 1-4 says, Woe to the shepherds who destroyed and scattered the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of of God of Israel concerning the shepherds who care for of my people you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them behold I will scatter you with evil deeds for your evil deeds and declared the Lord and then I will gather my remnant my flock out of the countries where I have driven them and I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply, and I will set shepherds over them who care for them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall be missing, declared the Lord. As pastors, we are not perfect. We can never be uh, perfect until we're in heaven. John, we are not expecting perfection, and we understand that you can never be sinless until you're completely sanctified and in heaven either. But as a as fellow pastor, 
We are asking for you to strive and commit to caring for the congregation as we understand the needs, situations, and provide counsel as requested. Jesus helps us to understand that we are not perfect too. We will see, we will let people down. We can even even feel fall short of God's expectations. We all remember how Jesus told Peter we would, he would deny him three times. Let's look on how our great shepherd dealt with Peter as he expected, as he, as, and, and what he expected from the apostle and fellow elder. John 21, 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, John, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter grieved because he said to him three times, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus says. We can see Jesus has graciously worked with Peter to help him to understand his commitment to his Savior. Jesus was helping Peter to understand what he wanted, a full commitment to his Savior. Jesus was gentle, caring, and instructive. Peter's instruction each time he asked was about his love for Savior. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. These, are, these three expectations are not about shepherding, are about shepherding the church. As a pastors, we are to care for the young, oversee and guide the flock, and instruct all with God's word. As fellow pastor John, we are expecting you, as described in God's word, to commit, instruct, caring, and lead the congregation as a shepherd. Pastor Steve has given to Pastor John the charge to shepherd the flock. And that is a very important role and function for an under-shepherd of Christ. There are many ways in which a pastor shepherds a flock. And now I want to turn to one in particular. As I give Pastor John the charge to preach the word. See, this is the primary charge given to Timothy by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And please turn in your Bibles then to 2 Timothy. And this morning I want to consider just what this charge means to preach the word. To do this, I want to briefly set the stage with a familiar passage. So we're actually going to back up and start in 2 Timothy 3 at the very end of that, starting with verse 14. So 
So follow along as I read 2 Timothy 3, starting with verse 14. But as far, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. My first point comes from this. It is the faithful word. The faithful word. What do we learn here? Well, first we see that Scripture is able to make one wise for salvation. But notice here that it is through faith in Jesus Christ. Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This is special revelation. And it's obtained only through the Word of God. If Scripture is not preached, how will people come to know Christ? Scripture is breathed out by God. It is His very words given to us. And we know from 2 Peter that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Where else does one go except to Scripture? To the philosophy of teaching of, of sinful humans? Well, can that bring you any closer to eternal truth? It is nothing but the blind leading the blind. Jesus called the Pharisees blind guides for their distortion of the truth and their distortion of what's really valuable. Now consider what we've learned week by week as we have our scripture readings at the beginning of our service. If you've noticed, we've been following through Psalm 119, the largest psalm, the largest chapter, and the largest book of the Bible. And it's all about God's word. Just consider what we've heard so far. In verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 21, you rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from commandments. Verse 29, put false ways from me and graciously teach me your law. Or verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. And then verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Scripture is given so that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If our light is to shine before others, we must be equipped to do the good works that bring glory to our Father in heaven. Scripture and Scripture alone is sufficient for all we need. So then Paul gives Timothy the charge we repeat here this morning. So now we turn to 2 Timothy 4 and follow along as I read starting with verse 1. 
I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Paul starts with this charge. And the word rendered charge here has a sense of solemnity, of a, a religious um, of sen- uh, statement, a religious attitude behind it, something they follow very closely. Now, if you have the New American Standard Bible or the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says, I solemnly charge you. They've gone ahead and described this charge as very solemn. It's no simple charge, but rather a very serious direction given to young Timothy. Paul gives this charge not in a sterile manner, but in the very presence of God and Christ Jesus. Their unseen presence serves as a witness to the importance of what Paul is telling Timothy. He reminds Timothy that Jesus is the judge and therefore will judge both the living and the dead. It is to Christ Jesus alone that the pastor answers. Recall from Hebrews 17 that that all are called to obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Timothy will give an account for how well he carries out this charge. It is no different for those today who would shepherd Christ's flock. And we are giving Pastor John and indeed assuming for all of us here as pastor elders the same charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. Timothy and all preachers today are to be ready to preach the word in season and out of season. See, there is no time when the word of God is not appropriate. There is no time when the word of God is not sufficient. And there is no time when the word of God is not effective. In Isaiah 55, God says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. Timothy is to use the word to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Scripture is effective and sufficient for all of this. Recall Hebrews 4.12. You know this verse. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Through Scripture, the preacher communicates doctrine, corrects, rebukes, comforts, encourages, And gives instruction. And as Paul said, this is to be done with patience and teaching. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The shepherd tends the flock of Christ by teaching Christ's word. As Pastor Steve pointed out, Jesus said that his sheep listen to his voice. They do not listen to the voice of thieves and robbers who would steal them away. He told Peter, feed my sheep. Pastor John, if you are to feed, if you are to teach, 
If you are to reprove, rebuke, and exhort the sheep of Christ, you must give them the word of Christ. And you must do so with patience. And Paul then forewarns of what will happen, and indeed what we see happening today. Follow along as I read 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. People will not endure sound teaching. They won't want to hear of their depravity. They won't want to hear of their need for a Savior. They will want to be made to feel good, to be made to feel religious or feel spiritual. They only want to hear that God loves them and wants them to prosper. They will want to be entertained. Sadly, there are preachers today who pander to this mindset so they can have jobs or so they can fill pews, so they can have a following. Indeed, there's one very popular television preacher who openly admits that he won't talk about sin or hell or damnation or anything that is hard to hear. He says that people feel guilty and beaten down enough. So instead, he brings them a false gospel, something that really isn't a gospel at all. There are many preachers who will not teach the hard things because they are more concerned with what people want than what they need. They come with lofty speech and plausible words of wisdom. And they're more concerned with entertaining than edifying. They care more about what people want than what Christ commands. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, Not some of what he commanded, all of what he commanded. And yes, some of it will be hard to hear. When Jesus taught about the need to feed on his flesh and drink his blood, that he is the bread of life, many thought it offensive and turned away from him. They said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But when he asked the 12 apostles if they too wanted to go away, Peter, always Peter, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. In addressing the elders at the church in Ephesus, Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. Pastor John, these words are for us today. You must not shrink from preaching the whole counsel of God, no matter how hard it seems for they are the words of eternal life. And to withhold them from the church is to withhold food from the sheep. Know this, when people condemn you for preaching the word, they are in reality condemning God. And if you are to be decried as intolerant, let it be because you are intolerant of denying our Savior. Always remember, it is not about you. It is about Jesus Christ. And I finish with these words from 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry.
Preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Preach to the glory of God. Thank you, guys. As they have a, given a charge to Pastor John, it's my privilege this morning to give a charge to us, myself included, for all of us as a congregation. How do we respond? How are we to be as a body of Christ as we worship together and as we fellowship with one another? And the first thing I want to say is this, that Grace Bible Church, that we as God's people must always remember this, that Jesus Christ is first. Colossians 1, if you would turn there. Paul speaking of Jesus in verse 15, he says this, he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything... That in every single thing, he might be preeminent. Jesus is first. He is always first. He is above us. He is above our preferences. He is above our church because he is the head of the body, the church. But what is awesome about that is this. He's perfect. We may fail you. We may have a bad day. We may be tired and not give an answer that really spoke to your soul. But we have a Savior who is first. And we will preach Christ. And that same Savior who we proclaim is who you can go to in the Word of God to receive nourishment. And so let us be a people who know that it's Jesus first. And let us always be a church that fights for that, that we not allow anything to take the place of Jesus Christ. Sadly, it's easy to do. It is quite easy to lose focus. But let us keep our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. I have totally different texts uh, planned out, and it was just really last night and even a little bit during worship this morning, where I think God changed my heart a little bit on what I want to share. So what is also our response? Turn to Acts chapter 2. If Christ is first, then let us be a people who are devoted to Christ and what Christ calls us to do. In Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. Peter had just preached a fantastic sermon, and thousands were saved. And now it jumps forward and it talks about the church. It talks about the early church. But we as the church today do not have to be different in our devotions. And look at verse 42. It says this. And they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Let's stop there. Friends, let us be devoted to the teaching of God's word. 
Now, what does that mean? How does that look? Be here. You know what it means to be devoted to someone, right? We know what it's like to be devoted to a team. Some of us are devoted to the Giants or the St. Louis Cardinals or Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> There's a devotion. And we set the DVR and we make it a priority to make sure that we're able to proclaim what happened in the game. Some of us are crazy enough to tape NASCAR and we want to see how they keep making right turns. Who wins? You see, there's a devotion. And when we're devoted to something, we make it a priority. Friends, when we're together, be devoted not even to the church, but when we're devoted to one another and to the teaching of God's word, we're devoted to Christ because we will proclaim Jesus Christ and his excellencies and his gospel. So let us be devote, devoted to, the, to teaching as the early church was. The second one is this, and to the fellowship. Be devoted to one another. Later in Romans, Paul writes so many commands Serve one another, submit to one another, pray for one another. And how do we do this for John and the Prettyman family? Pray for them. In Ephesians chapter 6, where we were, Paul says, Pray for me that the utterances that my teaching would be bold. Friends, pray for your pastor and your pastors. I know so many of you do. Sometimes I'll be driving to work on a Tuesday and I know who's praying for me that day because they've told me. Pastor Ron, your day is Tuesday. A smile comes to my face. It brings a peace. Because prayer is awesome. Prayer is underrated. And that is foolishness. Be in prayer for your pastor and your pastors. Be devoted to one another. Don't neglect being together. I think it's sad in our modern age that hospitality is a lost art. Open your homes. People aren't judging the cleanliness as much as you might think. Or just clean it up real quick. <laughs> but be together. There is something sweet when believers share a meal and come together. Because we cannot help but talk about our Savior because in all things, he's first. He is preeminent. So the early church was devoted to teaching and to fellowship, being together, the breaking of bread and prayer. And look what happened. Look what happens when a church is devoted to the right things. You see, if you're devoted to teaching, you're devoted to Christ, because I guarantee you, the apostles were teaching Christ. All you have to do is go back and read the sermon that Peter had given. And here's what it says. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, we'll stop there for a second. So many times I say, whoa, whoa, where's Ron going with signs and wonders? The early church had a different program than we do today. But let me tell you this. God is still at work. And you want to know what's awesome and brings awe to myself? That God takes people dead in their trespasses and sins, and he raises them up to life, to new life in Jesus Christ. And we should feel awe and wonder every single time salvation comes to somebody. 
May that be what our church is about, where we see souls coming to know Jesus Christ because of our faithfulness of putting Jesus Christ first. We have nothing else to offer this world but Jesus Christ. So let us be a people devoted to these things. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Let us be a generous people. It takes money to pay a pastor. It takes finances to have a building. We don't bring it up a whole lot because we trust the Holy Spirit to work within you. And by the way, excel still more. I praise God for the generosity of this church that we're able to accomplish by his mercy and grace how the Holy Spirit has moved among you to give. But let's be generous. Let us be a people who fund the ministry because we know this is the greatest thing we can give to. Lives being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Come back tonight. Let's receive food together. Let's have glad hearts. Let's praise Jesus for what he has done. Praising God and having favor with all the people. You know how else we respond? As pastors, we don't say, go out to the world so that you make us look good. That is not going to be Pastor John's heart. But let us be a people who reflect the glory of Christ. And may they say, you know what? They're different. They must love Jesus. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who are being saved. Share your faith. This is what we desire as pastors. This is what Pastor John desires. He doesn't want to be first. He wants Jesus first. If he said, I want to be first, he would not be here this morning. We know that. We know that you wouldn't want that. Because God has done a wonderful thing in us. He is making us centered on Jesus Christ. So let us be a people who do not neglect to keep Jesus Christ first. You know, you can't help but think of church growth. This is the kind of church growth I like. So many people treat church as something they date. Well, I'm tired with you, I'll break up. Move on to the next one. Don't date the church. Be devoted to Christ. And let's see God expand our numbers, not by hopping per se. Although people will move into town where God often does call people to leave, we understand that. But let's see people coming in these doors because they found Jesus Christ through the witness of us loving Jesus and sharing new life in Jesus Christ. There's so much more we could say but I believe it's a good challenge for, for myself to be reminded of these things and for all of us. And I would say this, in the ways we're doing well, to God be the glory, amen? amen? To the way we can do better, to God be the glory and we rely on him. It is not us, it's all Jesus.
Who's next? Well, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we have looked into your word this morning, Father, we pray that we heed the words that you have given us, your very words, breathed out, inspired by you, not the interpretation of man, not the prophecy of man, but men moved along as carried by the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to cling to these. Help us to study your word. Help us to live by your word, to follow all of the commandments of Jesus Christ as we are his disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to call Pastor John to come up along with Pastor Elders uh, Ron and Steve to join me up here. Whenever we bring in a a new member or we have a a baptism or a a parent-child dedication, we always have a a short message on this and we have an affirmation of commitment that we give. And you're familiar with this whenever we've brought in a a new member. Well, today we're bringing in a a new pastor elder. And so this morning marks the conclusion of a 21-month journey started in August 2015 when in obedience to God's call, Grace Bible Church sent its teaching pastor to Riverbend Community Church in Ormond Beach, Florida. And through much prayer and deliberation, the pastor elders of Grace Bible Church extended a call to Pastor John Prettyman of Grace Bible Fellowship in Central City, Nebraska, to become the next teaching pastor of Grace Bible Church, only the third in its 21-year history. Pastor John, having been sent by the members of Grace Bible Fellowship, is today being installed as our teaching pastor elder. In the Old Testament books of Exodus and Leviticus, the Lord established a particular rite of consecration or ordination of priests. In Leviticus 8, we read that the entire congregation was assembled at the tent of the meeting. The priests were washed with water and dressed in the coat, robe, ephod, breastpiece, and turban crafted for this purpose according to the command of God. There followed sacrifices and burnt offerings and wave offerings. There were anointings and sprinklings of oil and blood. The offerings were to atone for the sins of the priests. Well, today we don't have pastors dressed in ephods and turbans. We don't offer the bodies and bloods of bulls and rams. Hebrews 10.10 tells us that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Nevertheless, it is fitting to assemble the congregation as we have here today and have a time of formal recognition of the installation of a new pastor. It is a time of commitment by both the pastor and the congregation. And we undertake this in humble submission to God's word. So to Pastor John, having been called to the ministry and today given a charge by the elders of Grace Bible Church, Will you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and in accordance with 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, shepherd the flock of God here at Grace Bible Church, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you? Will you do so not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but be an example to the flock? I will. Will you, in accordance with Acts 20, 28 through 31, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood? 
Will you be alert, guarding the flock against savage wolves who would speak twisted things to draw disciples after them? I will. Will you, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in accordance with 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, preach the word, being ready in season and out of season? Will you reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with complete patience in teaching? Will you preach the full counsel of God, not desiring merely to tickle the ears of some who come to listen? Will you endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry? I will. Will you, in accordance with Hebrews 13.1, submit to the elders even as they submit to you? Will you, in accordance with 2 Timothy 2.2, disciple the elders even as they disciple you? Will you, in accordance with 1 Peter 3.8, pursue a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind, especially among the elders, as we strive together to oversee God's people? I will. And then to the congregation, and you have this printed in, inside your bulletin. Having confirmed the call of Pastor John Prettyman to the position of teaching pastor of Grace Bible Church, and today given a charge by the elders, will you, in accordance with Hebrews 13, 17, obey and submit to the leadership of Pastor John as one who is keeping watch over your souls, as one who will have to give an account? Will you do so with joy and not with groaning. Will you, in accordance with 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, respect Pastor John as one who labors among you and is over you in the Lord and admonishes you? Will you esteem him very highly in love because of his work? Will you, in accordance with Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, pray for Pastor John and his family as he shepherds the flock here at Grace Bible Church? Will you, in accordance with 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing? And will you, in accordance with 1 Timothy 5.17 and 18, honor and support Pastor John financially as one who labors in preaching and teaching? By these affirmations of commitment, given this second day of April 2017, Pastor John Prettyman is hereby installed as the teaching pastor of Grace Bible Church. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Let, let's go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you and extol your name for all that you've brought us to and worked through to bring us to this day. You've blessed us continually. You've guided us. You've held us together. We know you're working in this church, and we praise you for that. We praise you with all that you've done. Father, we just praise you for the pretty men's. We praise you for John, willingness that you moved him here. Father, we, we understand this is completely your will. We praise you that you gave the Ron, Jeff, and I the insight to know which candidate to pick. Father, we praise you for that as well. Father, this is your church, and we leave it with you. Father, help us to shore that up, that it, we care for it in a way that glorifies you, and your son will be the tips of our tongues, that we can shine and it might have, uh, 
people will see him in us, that we may be malleable, moldable congregants so that we will grow and glorify and understand your will for each one of our lives. Father, we just praise you for this service. We praise you for all the instruction. We praise you for all these things. In your son's gracious name, Jesus Christ, amen. I think you can be seated. Um, I've just been asked to say a few words. Um, my name is John Prettyman, and uh, <laughs> my wife Gwen and our kids, and um, just want to say thank you, first of all, for just all the blessings that you guys have bestowed upon us this week, and um, the food that you brought to our house, and our, you, were, you were a witness already, you ladies were a witness already, even though you don't know it, to our landlord, who um, just said how giddy you were when you were putting all the food into the pantry and the refrigerator. And so she said that you were just so blessed by that. And it, it spoke to her heart. And so um, it's a testament to the fact that we're always um, exemplifying or proclaiming Christ, maybe not just through our words, but through our lives as well. Um, we're excited to be here. Um, I don't, I, the Lord has confirmed this calling in many, many ways, and can't even begin to tell you how many ways he has confirmed this calling. And it wasn't an easy decision by any stretch, um, but it was, it was a, um, it was easy because it was definitely, it was real from him. And every step along the way, he just confirmed it. And so, um, we're thankful for that, and we're thankful for all of you guys being a part of that. Um, looking forward to what the Lord has for us here, and over the next several years, one of the things that I'm devoted to as a pastor, um, and my ministries I think are examples of this, is just longevity. Uh, I think the longer that I'm able to be with a people, my goal is to know you. I, I don't believe I can shepherd you unless I know you, and, and that takes time. The last church that we were at, we started from scratch. So we got to know one family and another family and another family. And now we have to get to know all of you. So we have a, we have a long way to go. And um, so bear with us. Be patient and grow with us. Um, be gracious to us. We'll be gracious to you. And um, we'll just grow in the Lord and grow in the Word together. I'll give you an illustration before I close, before I turn it over to the music group. Um, I tell my kids this. My kids are all love athletics, and um, maybe you have some kids like that as well. And my kids will go, and they'll play a game, and they'll go out into the game, and at the beginning of the game, they're all pumped up, and they're all excited, and they're all smiles, and, and it's all fun, and they're messing around with their friends. And, and then at the end of the game, when they lose, they're all tears. They're all frustrated. They can't believe it happened that way. And I told my kids this, and I think this is a good example for us as the church. I told him, I says, if you'll start the way you end, you might end the way you start. And I think as we go into this, we want to go into this with humility, understanding that God has a work ahead of us. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be difficulty. Um, but if we take it patiently and we walk in humility and we walk in unity together, one day we'll celebrate what God has done 
over the last 10 years or over the last 20 years, or however long the Lord just decides to work. So I encourage you with that. I get to close the service out in prayer, so I have a few other thoughts before I do that. But we're glad to be here. Um, we love the church already, and we're looking forward to what God has for us here. Together. I think if Grace Bible Church has a, a song that's extra special to us, it's this one. And it's because we recognize that God is on the throne of all things, and he's the one who's deserving of our worship, and he is the one we worship. So let's sing together. held the oceans in his hands who has numbered every grain of sand kings and nations tremble at his voice all creation rises to rejoice behold
our voices. I would like to close this morning's service with a reading from the book of Deuteronomy in the 31st chapter. This is the time when Moses is transitioning the leadership of the children of Israel to Joshua. And as I read, I just want you to notice how unimportant and insignificant Moses and Joshua are and how significant God is. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord hath said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you, so you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over as your head, as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you will be to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with his people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you will put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the celebration that we can have together as the body of Christ as we celebrate what you have done for us and Lord we celebrate as well what you continue to do in us and what you are going to do with us in these next several years. We pray that you will make us a humble people, a people that are devoted to your glory and not our own, a people who are dedicated to your word and dependent on your strength and your power to get us through each day of our lives that we might live, Lord God, in your strength, and we might live for your glory. We pray that you would be with each one of us today, that you would strengthen our hearts during this time, and Lord, also that you would strengthen our hearts in the difficult times as well. We love you. We thank you for all the opportunities that you bring into our lives to serve you, and we give you the praise for them all. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>